0: If you were here with us last week, you remember Pastor Matt saying we're going to take a break from our series in the book of Matthew. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Matthew since August, and we've made it through four chapters, but we're, we're going to take a break until January 1st, where in January we'll resume with Matthew chapter 5. But over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the Incarnation. And more specifically, we're going to be looking at three character traits that God displays in the Incarnation. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the generosity of God. We're going to be looking at God's generosity that was on display in the Incarnation. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, if you could open to John chapter 3. We're going to be spending most of our time in John chapter 3 this morning, looking at a very familiar text for probably all of us this morning. But before we get into the word this morning, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. God, again, it is so good to be in your house to worship the one true living King of Kings. Lord, be with us this morning as we hear from your word, that your word would speak to us, that your word would challenge us, that your word would transform us, that your word would convict us, that your word would encourage us. Lord, that we know, we know that this happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall on this place right now, Lord, that your spirit would be here with us, speaking to our hearts. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at different character traits that God displays in the incarnation. But I thought briefly it'd be good if I explained for a few minutes what the incarnation is. I, I know it's a very churchy word that we don't really hear at all outside of church. And so I know that there's many in here who are new to the faith and maybe you've heard this word incarnation but you don't know what it means or why we talk about it and even if you've been saved for 80 years I don't think there's ever a bad time to hear someone talk about the incarnation of Christ and so I know I said to open to John 3 but if you flip one page over previously to John chapter 1 This is really a great place to start to talk about the incarnation. And so the first five verses of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now let's go down to verse 14. And verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is talking about Jesus Christ. The Word is Jesus. So John opens his Gospel telling us three very important things. First, he tells us that Jesus is God. It's very important to understand as we... Serve and worship Jesus. We're not just worshiping a man, we are worshiping God. Then John tells us that Jesus was in the beginning with God the Father. And then he also tells us, and this is the incarnation, that Jesus became a man. The Word, the eternal Word, who has existed before time itself even began, became flesh and dwelt among us. The incarnation is the act of Jesus taking on flesh. God who existed in eternity, stepping into our time, into our world. And the incarnation was the revealing of the plan that had been in place for over 4,000 years. For over 4,000 years people wondered who the Messiah was going to be. There was promises all throughout the Old Testament that spoke of someone coming who was going to bless the nation, someone coming who was going to save people from their sins. And the Incarnation was the revealing of that plan. That plan was first spoken of in the Garden of Eden. When God says to Satan in Genesis 3.15... He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So here immediately after Adam and Eve break God's law, God gave them one rule that they could not do. He he gave them his word. He said, you cannot eat of this tree Every other tree is good for food. Every other plant is good for food. You may not eat of this one tree. They go in rebellion to the word of God. They choose their way over God's way, and they bring sin, and with that, death and destruction and chaos into the world. But here, immediately after they break God's law, we see God make a promise. We see that God had a plan for Redemption. And what we'll see in a few minutes is this wasn't a plan that God just scrambled and came up with right off the cuff after Adam and Eve sin, but that this was the plan ever since the beginning of the foundation of the world. This plan for redemption that the offspring of Adam and Eve would crush the head of the offspring of the serpent, that that God would crush Satan. And so Jesus in the flesh was the revealing of that plan of redemption. Then in Genesis 12, we see God say that through the offspring of Abraham, that all the nations will be blessed. And so Jesus in the flesh is the revealing of that plan of blessing. That now as we are obedient to the Great Commission, as we go out and share the gospel with the entire world, that all of the nations of the earth will be blessed as they hear the proclamation of the gospel and as they submit to the lordship of Christ. And so Jesus in the flesh was the revealing of that plan of blessing. Then in 2 Samuel 7, God speaking through the prophet Nathan tells David that one day, the offspring of David will have a kingdom that never ends. And so Jesus in the flesh, not only was the revealing of God's plan for redemption, not only was the revealing of God's plan for blessing, but it was the revealing of who this eternal king would be. And if you've been with us during our series in Matthew, you know that that king is Jesus. Right? Christ is King, and His kingdom isn't a future kingdom that we are awaiting. His kingdom is here on the earth now, that Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning the nations right now as we speak. And so Jesus, the Word becoming flesh, is the revealing of God's eternal plan that was set forth since the beginning of time, and it was a mystery for mankind for 4,000 years. Years, And so for the Christian, for us who serve the Lord, the incarnation of Christ is everything to us. If we didn't have the incarnation, we would be where everyone else was for 4,000 years, wondering where, who this Messiah was going to be. How someone could come and crush the head of Satan, but at the same time, bless all nations, and at the same time, have an eternal kingdom. Who is this person? We would be still in darkness if it wasn't for the incarnation of Christ so as we celebrate christmas we're not just celebrating a birthday i think as christians we can kind of minimize what christmas is when we say we're just celebrating a birthday we we go all out and have big parties for a lot of people and so for their birthdays and so we've kind of just said, okay, well, we're, we'll have a birthday party for Jesus on Christmas Day, but what we're celebrating is so much more than a birthday. We're celebrating the light coming into this dark world and giving us life. That light that Pastor Matt preached about last week, as he was in the dark, preaching about the light. But it was an amazing message as he was saying that, that all light that we have today proclaims the Messiah, it proclaims Christ, that any light that you see today should be a reminder to us of the light that came into this world to give us life. And so being that the incarnation was God's idea, that it was His plan, and that it was His purpose for humanity, we see His characteristics all over the incarnation. And so today... I'd like to look at John chapter 3, where we'll be looking at God's generosity this morning in the Incarnation. And So in John chapter 3, we have Jesus' famous interaction with the man called Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He was one of the main leaders of the Jews at the time. And Nicodemus approached Jesus during the night to have a conversation with him. And we're going to jump to the end of this conversation and start with a very familiar verse in verse 16 of John 3. And we're going to read to verse 21. So John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world In God. So verse 16 of John 3, it says, God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Gave. How many of you are thankful that our God is a giving God? Our God is generous. God is so generous to us. So the first thing that I'd like to highlight of God's generosity, I've got three things with God's generosity I'd like to look at today. The first is His motive. His motive for the incarnation. What what was the driving force behind His generosity that led to the incarnation? And there's two parts of this first part. And it's first our need. Our need... For saving was his motive. If we go up to uh, just a few verses, to verse 3 in John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Our need is that we were needing a rebirth. We were needing to be born again. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says in verses 1 through 3, he says, And you, everyone say, that's me. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience. Paul is using past tense here because he was writing to believers, but this is the state all of us were in. All of us were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We were following the course of this world. We were following the prince of the power of the air. We were following Satan. And this is the state that Mankind was in. They were in need of a Savior. And Jesus even says that without Christ we are dead. In John 5, verse 25, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Many of you are thankful that you have heard the voice of God. You have responded to the preaching of the word. And you have been transformed from death unto life. And so we see that we were dead in our sins. So that's part of his motive was our need. But the greater motive that God had for the incarnation and and for his generosity that we see in this passage was his love. His love for us was the true driving force that led him to be so generous to send his son Again, going back to verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Why was God generous? What was the reason for this gift? The reason was his love. Our God is a loving God. But he's not just a, a loving God, our God is love itself. 1 John 4, 7-10, through 10, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. So here again, we see the, him talking about the incarnation. The love was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved us so much that he sent his perfect son to be our atoning sacrifice in our place. We deserved death. We deserved the judgment and the wrath of God because of our sin. But because of the love of God, he made a way for his wrath to be satisfied, and that was by pouring out His judgment on Christ, on our behalf, on the cross. And notice verse 10 here in 1 John 4. It makes it so clear that we aren't recipients of this love because of anything that we have done. Verse 10, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. In Romans 5, 8, the Apostle Paul says that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still lost in your sin, an enemy of God, running from God, the perfect Son of God died for you because of the love that he has for us. One more passage on God's amazing love for us before we move on is also in the book of Romans, chapter 8, starting in verse 35. Paul says, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long." We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the love of the Father. Yes, we had a need for saving, but His love far outweighs even our need. And so if you leave with with one takeaway today, if you only remember one thing this morning, let it be that God loves you. And that nothing in this world can take that away from you. Nothing. Paul lists a lot of things, and then just to be sure that he's very clear, he says nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So be encouraged today that if you are in Christ You can be sure that nothing that you face, nothing that you go through, can take away the love that God has for you. And so that was God's motive of generosity. His motive was our need and His love. The second thing that I'd like to look at in His generosity this morning is the content of His generosity. What was it that He gave? So let's go back to our text in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The content of God's generosity is directly tied to His motive. It's because of the love that He has for us that led Him to give the very best gift that could possibly be given. God didn't give us his second best. God gave us his very best. He gave us himself. He gave us perfection. He gave us his perfect sinless son, who, as we saw in John chapter 1, has existed for all eternity with God the Father. He gave us the greatest gift that could ever be given. Now, how many of you can be honest and, and say that there's been a time or two where you've given a gift and you knew it wasn't your best? You, you knew that it, you, you were offering up maybe your second best. Uh, maybe you were celebrating an a anniversary and you didn't realize it was the anniversary till you were on your way home from work, right? And you knew you had to show up with something or you would hear from it. I may or may not be speaking from experience here, but that gift was not your best. If it was your best, you would have bought it a little bit before, you know, five o'clock that day of your anniversary. Or maybe you've, hopefully you haven't already wrapped one of these, but maybe in the past you've given a Christmas gift that was re-gifted to you and you know, it's, it's the third or fourth Christmas that this gift has been given. That's not your best gift. And um, in, in, I think it was 2017, we were having a, a Christmas party for the hill, and we're doing a white elephant gift, so nobody really gives their best gift for the white elephant game. I mean, you've got $5 to spend, so it can't be that great to begin with. But anyways, I gave a uh, coloring book that had cats in the coloring book. And these cats were, um, how do I say this? They were doing a bodily function, okay? A stinky bodily function, okay? So all the pictures in the coloring book had cats that were, we don't say the F word in our family, they were tooting, okay? So then in 2018, What do you think showed up? Someone, whoever received that gift, they gave that gift again. And I think that that tooting cat coloring book is still floating around the youth group somewhere. Um, So if you're in the hill and you go to the Christmas party this year, just look out. Maybe scratch and sniff the gift before you open it to see if you've received that gift. All of that to say, we can be honest, and we know at times we haven't given our best gift. But thankfully, God didn't take that approach with us. God had a plan from the foundation of the world to rescue humanity, and that plan was to send His perfect Son, to send the spotless Lamb To send the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know that this was the plan all along because this greatest gift was prophesied by Isaiah. So one of the most well-known Old Testament prophecies is in Isaiah chapter 9. And it's one that we hear a lot during the Christmas season. But in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Unto us a son is given. The greatest gift given to us by our generous Heavenly Father. And then all throughout the Gospel of John, we are reminded that Jesus was sent by God. There's multiple accounts in the Gospel of John that tells us that Jesus was sent by God. So he's telling us that he was a gift sent by God. One one of these instances is in John chapter 5. We were looking at John chapter 5 already and we were looking at verse 25 but a few verses down in verse 30 right after Jesus tells the crowd that the dead will hear the voice of God and be raised he says in verse 30 of John 5 I can do nothing on my own as I hear I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of Him who sent me. And so Jesus' submission to the will of God, it's just the icing on the cake of why this is the greatest gift of all. Because here we see the generosity of Jesus as well. Not only was the giver of the gift looking forward to giving this gift, but the gift itself was looking forward to be and ready to be given. Jesus says in John chapter 17, in John chapter 10, uh, verses 17 through 18, in John chapter 10 we have the account of Jesus saying that he's the good shepherd. But starting in verse 17, Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And So we see the, the generosity, not only of God the Father, but of Christ the Son on display as well. And this would make sense that the generosity of Christ matches the generosity of God the Father because they are both God. And so, the final thing that I'd like to highlight this morning regarding God's generosity is the result of his generosity. What was the result of the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind? And so again, one more time, let's look at our text in John 3, 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through Him. The result of God's generosity in the Incarnation was salvation. This was the result of His generosity. It was that whoever believes in the Son, whoever believes in this greatest gift, will be given another amazing gift, eternal life how many of you are thankful that not only have you been we've been given the incarnation but we've been given eternal life Amen. we've been given salvation paul says in romans 6 that salvation is a gift salvation is a gift in verses 20 through 23 of romans 6 it says for when you were slaves of sin For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were giving ourselves death. The gift that all of us before Christ were giving ourselves was death. But thanks be to God who generously stepped in generously gave us His Son so that all who believes in the name of Jesus Christ, all who trust in His salvation and His finished work on the cross, all who turn to Him, all who repent of their sins, are now given the greatest gift of all, which is reconciliation back to God the Father. We've been redeemed This passage also says we've been set free from the bondage of sin. We now are being sanctified. This gift of salvation that we are given is a daily gift that leads us more and more every day into the image of Christ. So the power of sin has been broken over our lives and now we can walk in newness of life. We can walk in victory And as Paul says, we we walk now in this life free of condemnation, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so this was Jesus's mission all along was to save us from our sin. As we read of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1 we're given the account of the angel visiting Joseph. Shortly after Joseph had found out that his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant, and that he was not the father, which would be a very disturbing thing to discover, if we're all honest, an angel visits Joseph. And he tells Joseph not to fear. So this is a text that we, we hear every Christmas season, but in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 20, it says, As Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So here we see his mission, the mission of Christ. She will bear a son, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people from their sins. This was the eternal plan of God that was made manifest in the incarnation of Christ. This is why Jesus was sent, and he's been fulfilling this mission for the last 2,000 years. Jesus has been saving sinners for the last 2,000 years, and He's not stopping anytime soon. Amen. So one more verse today, I think. I think this is our last verse. Let's, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. We read verse 6. Let's read verse 6 again, because it really sets up verse 7 well. with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Jesus is not stopping anytime soon His work of saving sinners. It says there will be no end to the increase of His kingdom. This gift that was been given, it will continue to be a gift for many years to come. How many of you are thankful for this gift of salvation that we have been given because of the generosity of our Father? So in closing today, I'd like to quote the great theologian. Really, she's not a theologian. She's a musical artist. Her name is Sandy Patty. So, many of you have heard of her. If you were born before 1980, you've heard of her. But she has a Christmas song that's called, The Gift Goes On. And in this song, she says, The Father gave the Son, the Son gave the Spirit, the Spirit gives us life so we can give the gift of love. And the gift goes on, and the gift goes on, and the gift goes on, and the gift goes on. We serve a generous, giving God. Maybe I've inspired one of y'all in here to sing that song for our family Christmas card. I know that some of y'all are hearing that song, and now it's hopefully it will be stuck in your head all day. I thought about singing it, but I thought, and stopped thinking about singing it. Um, But as we close today, for some application for us, as we reflect on God's generosity, let's remember that God gave His best. God gave us Himself. And so for us in our lives, what are we giving back to God? How generous are we being to our Creator? And not just with God, what is it that we are giving to one another in every area of our life? I'm not just talking about Christmas presents, and I'm not just talking about our financial giving but in every area of our life, are we being generous? Are we showing the generosity of God in our lives? I pray that we would be so generous with our lives, with our time, with our love for one another, with the way that we encourage one another, the way that we serve one another, the way that we serve our church body, that it would be done with an abundance of generosity as we look to the example of God and His generosity in the incarnation. What we see in John chapter 3 is that we give toward what we love. It says, God loved the world, and it was that love that caused Him to be giving. Your giving shows what you love, what you are giving to. The time that you're giving, the time that you're investing, where you're spending your finances, it shows what it is that you love. And so let this be a time of reflection today. What is it that you are being generous to? Are your priorities in order? Are you being generous with your time to things that don't have any impact on eternity whatsoever? Let's be generous with our time, with our talents, with our money towards things that matter, towards things that build the kingdom of God. And then lastly, as as we aim to be generous like God, we we see that His generosity was sacrificial. The greatest gift that was given, it it cost something. It, It cost the the shedding of blood of the perfect Son of God. And so our lives should contain some sort of sacrificial, generous giving. As we strive to follow Christ, we should be moved to living a life of generosity. And really, Christians should be the most generous, the most loving, the most giving, the most serving people on the face of this planet. I pray that no one can say of us that we're just, you know, scrooges that hold on to everything for ourselves and have no desire to bless others, that, that we as Christians would be the most generous people on the face of the earth because we're following the greatest example in Christ So, as we reflect on God's generosity in the incarnation this Christmas season, I pray that it would lead all of us to striving to be more generous. And and not just during Christmas, yes, I pray that we would be generous during this Christmas season, but that it would go into the new year. And every day we would live our lives in light of God's generosity in the act of the incarnation. And that it would cause us to live generous lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand this morning as we close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your generosity. Lord, I thank you for this amazing passage that we have in John chapter 3. Lord, you show us that you loved us so much and this love caused you to give your perfect son. Lord, I don't think on this life we will ever truly understand your love and how much you love us. But God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would, that you would give us a a glimpse, give us a reality of your love God, that your love would overwhelm us, that your love would break us, that your love would lead us to repentance, that as we look to the cross, we see the greatest act of love and sacrifice and generosity ever on display. God, that we would live every moment of our lives cognizant of this love and in service to this love. God, that over this month of December, as we celebrate Christmas, and as we hang the lights, and listen to the music, and go to the parties, as we buy gifts for one another, God, that we, as your people, would show to this lost and dying world what it looks like to truly be generous God, that we would be generous people, that we would be giving, giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our love. We'd be sacrificially giving to those around us. And God, that as we do it, we are bringing the light of Christ into this dark world. God, we don't give to lift ourselves up. We aren't generous so that we will feel good. We give to glorify our Father. And as your word says, as we shine our light before men, they will see our good deeds and it will lead them to glorify you in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified as we generously live our lives in worship to you. And it's in the name of the mighty, perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.